Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Here's Dickow from the deep corner for three. Uh-oh, uh-oh. It's all now. Downtown Dan connects. Every morning when I'm working out, I'm listening to your podcast. Keep up the great work. I mean, I've seen Dan Dickow hit some big shots in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> I got to salute you, man. Like, I've been watching you since I was in high school trying to mimic all your moves. Welcome to today's episode of the ISO with myself, your host, Dan Dickow for SB Live Sports. Today's guest, a head coach in the Atlantic 10, a coach who I connected with a number of years ago when he brought his Mount St. Mary's basketball team to Spokane and played against Gonzaga in, in the kennel. It's been fun to watch the progression of his career heading into his 10th season as a head coach at the Division I level, his third at George Washington, head coach Jamian Christian. Jamian, thanks for joining. How is life back in D.C.? Oh, you know what? Life here in D.C. is a lot better this year than last year. You know, one of the things about being one of the one of the uh, schools here in, in D.C., we're only about two blocks from the White House, is uh, when the country's got a lot going on, we've got a lot going on here on campus. That's why we call it the world's most powerful city. You know, we're happy to be the university that's represented here. I had no idea your campus was that <laughs> close uh, to the White House and a lot of the important political and government buildings in the country. Um, you know, with that, is that a recruiting bonus for you guys maybe because some players i'm sure are looking strictly athletics but some might be looking post-career as well absolutely i mean we have one of the best universities in the world um you know our professors here do world-renowned things um and they're very active on campus they love teaching our students they love connecting with our students so we have such a unique feel here on campus academically obviously it's elite being in the atlantic 10 one of the best basketball leagues in the country i always tell our players if you can be one of the best players in the A-10, then you can certainly be one of the best players in the country. The A-10's been able to prove that time and time again. We've got a great history of basketball here at GW, a uh, great history of people loving basketball and enjoying playing basketball here. Um, so our recruiting, I think we have some tremendous recruiting advantages, and it's been fun just to kind of get into that year number three. I mean, you understand this with basketball. You know, that's when you really have a chance to put your brand into a place you know, to kind of see some of the mistakes you might have made in the first year or so, but have enough time to recover from it. And then the market, you know, has been great for us in terms of people understanding what we have here at GW, how we love to treat our players, our style of play. Um, so recruiting wise, I think we're definitely on the up and up and we're feeling great about the people that we have on our roster now and the guys we're really after right now. I, I like how you mentioned year three and you're excited for it. I've always felt personally, unless you're as a player, you're a complete outlier. Um, like LeBron James going to high school to the NBA or just a normal college player going to the NBA, it typically takes three years to get comfortable. I've talked to a lot of coaches. They also feel it takes three years to, at a new stop, get their recruiting philosophy dialed in with the whole staff, be able to connect and network with the proper AAU and, and high school coaches in the area. How does that process for you work now that you're in year three share a little bit us with us about how that has gone yeah well there's a couple things that you know we use to kind of assess that you know i think number one 
watching our fundraising numbers here on campus, we've been able to do our basketball program, coming in with a system in place of how we want to connect with our alums, how we want them to be treated, how we want them to feel. You know, you, again, you start to see that in year three, because in year three, you're really able to show them your consistency. They've been able to see you with highs and lows, how you've been able to, how you've been able to recover, how you've been able to respond. With recruiting, they're able to see the type of players that you're that you're after, how you're able to treat with them. You know, I've been in this Washington, D.C. area a ton, being at Mount St. Mary's, only about an hour north of here. So I knew a lot of the people here, but it's obviously different when you're right here every single day with the caliber of player they're able to attract. And, and so I think those are things that are really important. I think system-wise, um, you know, what might have worked at Mount St. Mary's might not work here. What worked at Siena might not work here. So you're always kind of tweaking that as you're trying to evaluate your talent and get your talent to the to the level that allows you to be top four within a league. I think we've done that. You know, we've been able to really assess where we are with that stuff. So I think those are some really important things. One of the things I'll tell you this that I think has been kind of interesting, we really looked at it statistically years ago within our system and how we like to play. And we felt like it was between 55 and 65 games for the majority of players kind of fit into where they were going to be. So it's always been a rush to try to get guys into that number of games. You know, in Major League Baseball, I think it's like 300 at-bats or something that they're looking at. And so we kind of looked at it in a game setting. You know, we thought it might be minutes. We thought it might be shots taken. We really fell up between 55 and 65 games. You really could recognize what a guy was and what he could be and what he was going to become. So just trying to keep that as a philosophy that, Really, until you get into 55 and 65, everybody's growing, including your coaching staff, but especially your players. I really like that because there's a piece of analytics to it, but it's not overblown analytics that I, I think, in my personal opinion, unfortunately, has taken over some parts of viewing of the game, not all, but some. Um, with that, in your time at GW, you've had a number of I don't like to necessarily call it this, but transfer downs from power conferences to the A-10. Players that obviously you, I would imagine, are looking at that 55 to 65 game mark to know that they're, they're going to be comfortable now at the college level. We just got to get them up to speed with what we want to do, and they're going to be really good players. How does, how does that 55-65 game look for you when you're looking at players in the transfer portal? Yeah, when you look at the 55-65, it's similar level. And I think it's important to understand, like, you know, within Division One level, there, you know, we, we kind of break them up to high major, mid-major, and low major, but there's several layers in between that, right? And so when you're really looking at it, when you look at a high major transfer down, if he transfers six leagues lower, right, his productivity goes up X percent, right? So understanding that, understanding how a player fits into your system, also when you talk about analytics, really knowing how our system fits and who fits into our system, I think is really, really important. You know, so if you're a guy who's playing in a flex system, but you're, you, you need a little bit of option to decide in your half court, that's going to make a big difference on how you're able to play. So with a lot of guys we brought in here on the transfer, what we've been able to do, we recruit them in high school, we evaluate them for our system that we run. So when we've taken guys like Ricky Lindo or James Bishop or Brendan Adams or Joe Bamisil, we knew that they would fit into our system because we evaluated them in our system. So when we recruited them, we didn't look at it and say, well, this guy is a top 60 player in the country. We, we wanted to see why is he a top 60 player in the, in, the, in the country? And then does he fit into our system, which requires our guards to not just score it, but be able to pass it and defend it and play both ways. Again, everyone says they want these guys to play both ways, Dan, but then sometimes they just want one guy to go and score the ball. So you know, our evaluation of it, I thought, you know, we've got, now we got lucky. We got the right guys in and those guys came in the portal and we were able to get them here. 
but we really knew who they were as players. So we evaluated that. We're taking their experiences that they've had at Virginia Tech. Um, and the 55 and 65 will really fit for a guy on our roster like Noel Brown, who's been here, was a freshman with us. Hunter Dean, who's a, who's a now a sophomore with us, whatever the COVID year is um, with those guys. So those guys will be able to really evaluate on the 55 to 65. We would, we would consider certain guys like James Bishop, like you said earlier, he's an outlier. Um, evaluate within our system, we felt like he would have been one of the top guards in the country if he come played for us years ago um, because he just fits how we like to play. And so getting guys like that that you know can be outliers, I do think is obviously a differential, especially today's college basketball. So when I look at last year, I throw out the numbers for a lot of players. I throw out the numbers for a lot of teams because it was so uh, inconsistent with practice times with games. I, I look at your guys um, – you only played about 20 games a season ago. What were the biggest challenges for you in leading your team in, in a year, like I said, year two, where you're really starting to implement what you want done? Yeah, you know, in year two, you're really fighting for your culture and fighting for your way of life. And it's one of the most, it, I mean, for me, it'll be one of the most memorable years ever because the environment that in college basketball coaches, college football coaches are great at creating environment, right? Like you look at a guy like Urban Meyer and say he's able to create this environment at Ohio State. Um, you know, and that's why they've been able to, that's where they, they were able to have a ton of success, right? Then you go in the NFL and he's not dictating the environment, right? Last year for us as college basketball coaches, we were not dictating the environment. You know, the CDC was dictating the environment. Our campuses were dictating the environments. Um, and that was really difficult to adjust from, you know, not being able to, hey, we want to watch, we want to, let's go, let's come back to practice tonight at, at eight because we didn't have a good practice at two today. Or, you know, let's make sure we're, we're getting here to watch team films so we can all discuss things. You know, all those little nuances that were kind of taken from us a year ago, understandably, that, that's kind of how you build the fabric of your program. That's how you build the toughness of your program. And that's how you're able to help your guys get connected on one singular idea. I think last year we only had one full team meeting the entire year. So like those are really challenging to be able to do. So, you know, I think th to me, those are things that I noticed. I was like, man, that's really, really challenging to be able to do. But I feel like we still found a way, Dan, to make a ton of strides. And, you know, we made a ton of strides because our guys got a chance to see how we respond through adversity. And we had a chance to work with one another through a really difficult time and to create a bond that, that I think is going to last us for a long time. Um, so again, I think a lot of people struggled with it. I think the environment being dictated to us as college coaches was just something that was really different. And, and uh, I'll tell you this, I'm excited that we're back to creating the kind of environments that we know allow us to, to be at our very best. A lot of creating that environment is having a great uh, home court presence. Uh, a week or so ago, I was able to broadcast Gonzaga's scrimmage. It was 6,000 people uh, <laughs> in a gym where a season ago, we were broadcasting games with nobody there. You and I first met when you brought your Mount St. Mary's team to Gonzaga. And, and what I really liked about getting a chance to talk with you for the first time back there is you 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 asked former players like myself what made Gonzaga Gonzaga. You talked to the strength coach. You talked to the athletic director. So I, I gained a ton of respect for you about looking at big picture of trying to build a program. When you look at where you're at now in your career, you're with the A10 GW program. What are the core philosophies that you want to build your program on? Yeah, well, we want to be. You know, we're trying to do something that's never been done before. And, you know, you've been a part of that process, Eric Gonzaga. You know, it's hard. I mean, there's a reason why in college basketball, there's these blue bloods, that, blue bloods that have been there for 40, 50 years. You know, so what Gonzaga is able to do there 
um, is really challenging. And they've been able to be consistent doing that. I mean, there's been a lot of teams doing Gonzaga's rise that have been that have been close to breaking through and did not break through. Right. So I think for me as a person who loves to study the, you know, the science of competition and the science of building programs, Gonzaga is a great example to look at. You know, what are the things that they have there that are in place? You know, from starting a television network years ago, where they where they were, where they were showing all those games on TV, and really making a priority on campus with with uh, college basketball. And you know, so there's a lot of things I learned on that trip um, by asking a ton of great questions. And so when you talk about the pillars here, you know, number one, we want to be really connected as a unit. I think that's extremely important. We're in the nation's capital, so connectivity is more important here maybe than than anywhere else in the world. Um, because people come here to make decisions. A lot of times those decisions send people one way or the other. And so we've got to be the kind of program that no matter what side of the aisle that you're on, when you walk in there, you're inspired by the way that people play together, Um, guys from all different kinds of backgrounds. So I think I take that really important. We talk about being honest. We talked about being disciplined, you know, being honest to yourself about where you want to go and what you want to do and and not being afraid to do that to others. You know, we talk about being disciplined. You know, you can't achieve anything great without being disciplined and working towards that and building a plan to be able to do that. Um, Having great care. Um, is something that we that we spend a lot about a lot of time about. And again, I think being a nation's capital and understanding care um, is even more important. Having that level of empathy within your program, I think it is something that's going to allow us to be really great for a long period of time um, because we're not just talking about winning and losing every day. You know, we obviously want to compete. We want to compete for championships and we're going to do that here. But really, I want to make sure that we're making our guys feel great, that they're making others feel great. That people are being inspired by the work that we're doing every single day. Um, and, I, and I'm proud to say that we're well on our way to being able to do that. Um, you know, so those are kind of the pillars that we're building it on. Um, but again, I've got a great back backdrop here with Washington, D.C., with some of the best thought leaders in the world that are all around us that give me inspiration every day to, to try to keep achieving something that's never been done before. So you take, take inspiration and guidance from, from people in all walks of life and in all positions, it sounds like. But when it comes down to it, at the end of the day, you're a basketball coach leading a program of young men trying to win. Um, everybody has outside interest, but that's your focus. Your player's focus is to win, but also hopefully get a degree and, and have opportunities for them to, to play beyond college. Give me the coaching mentors that have poured into you, because I know you played at Mount St. Mary's before you were a head coach. You also were under Shaka Smart for a year or so at VCU. Who are the coaches that are really your mentors? Yeah, I've got a great list of people that I've been around. I mean, I've got a Hall of Fame high school coach at Allen who I played for, who won a ton of games as a high school coach. He was a great inspiration to me and just taught me a ton about how to manage a team when I was like a team captain in high school, you know, and I feel like those those high school years are important because you're, you're really learning, you know, you're how you how you stand as a player and you're learning how that can dictate to others. Then going on to Mount St. Mary's playing for Jim Phelan, a legendary head coach, Hall of Famer as well, 800 plus victories. It's just a guy who was just, uh, you know, I will want to say he's like a gentleman of the game because he didn't raise his voice at us very much. He had great understanding, and, and but he was just really connected to us as players. And you know, at the time he was a little bit older but he was able to, to really connect with us as a player. You know, you would have loved playing for him because he wants you to line it up at 35 feet every single time and just be aggressive offensively. So it's always great to play for someone like that. You know, I left there when I worked for a guy named Bob Johnson and, and Coach Johnson at Emory and Henry just, you know, really changed my life. You know, I felt like as a player, you think you know the game, but to have a mentor that's there with you every day that's demanding that you learn more, 
um, was was really unique. And you know, I stumbled into that, and and I learned so much. I mean, when I got there, Dan, you know, the first three weeks, he's giving me videos of Bo Ryan, he's giving me videos of of uh, Dick Bennett, he's giving me videos of uh, Don Meyer. And I've got to like basically write a book report on each of these videos, you know, um, and I felt like that was the best thing for me because it really made me want to learn the game more and gave me a resource to be able to do that. Um, so I've had a ton of inspirations. Obviously, Shaka Smart, you know, his ability to connect with his players and the way that he does it is so unique to watch him do that every day. Um, and, you know, you can't emulate that. I mean, he's just got a special way about him. Um, but to see that as an example of a way that you could possibly be um, I thought was really was really special. And then, you know, guys like Tony Shaver, Pat Flannery, also guys I worked for that were guys that coached Division Three, won a lot Division Three, came into Division One and won a lot Division One. Um, just guys that are kind of lifers in the business and how they attacked it and how they built their programs. So I will say I've got a lot of guys uh, that I've been fortunate enough to work with that I've been able to learn from and just constantly trying to learn and, and assess why those guys were so successful. And also, you know, why those guys believed in me so much and trying to find people that I believe in at the same level they believed in, believed in me. And you know, that's what we've tried to do through the years. You know, before we hit record, uh, we talked a little bit off camera and and you mentioned that you grew up in the D.C. area and George Washington was a program you've had your eye on and uh, you felt like that was a job you really wanted. Unfortunately, in athletics, I know as a player, sometimes you're looking for the next thing. Sometimes coaches are that sa are that same way. But the A-10, from what I know in covering college basketball, it's a great brand of basketball. And if you get things going at the at that at that level in that conference, um, you can have sustain, sustained success. What's your hope and your outlook for GW uh, in your career? Yeah, you know, I believe this is a national championship level place. And I think we've got a lot of work to do to be able to get there as a lot of places do. And so once you once you have that deep belief, it then becomes, well, what, you know, it then becomes like what needs to happen for you to be able to get there? And what do you have here currently that, that allows you to, to fulfill that belief? You know, and again, I think our academic quality is so unique. I think that really helps us, um, you know, the strength of our graduate school, the strength of our undergraduate, the fact that people love being in Washington, D.C., they love being connected here. When you look at our recruiting brand here, the uniqueness is just that we have so many great high school players all around us, so many great AAU players all around us um, that love being in Washington, D.C., love being in the D.C., Maryland area. So when I was growing up and I was kind of watching GW, I was enamored with the brand. I just thought it was a brand that was so different um, that people would want that, you know, and, you know, it's not for everyone, you know, it's not, it's not a McDonald's, you know, it's not for everybody, you know, um, it's really for a niche, niche set of people. And, and so it's been great to be, be the head coach here and try to keep working towards that. It's a lofty goal. It's a big goal. I like to set those things up there, but again, kind of watching Gonzaga through the years and how they were able to build it, um, applying the stuff I learned at CNA and Mount St. Mary's, you know, we're laying a brick every single day here. And I think by doing that with, with true purpose, you know, we're much closer um, than we were in year one. And I'm really confident that over time, you know, we have an opportunity, we'll have an opportunity to get there. We just got to keep building. Setting lofty goals and having high expectations allows you to probably get outside your comfort zone and achieve success. Maybe that others didn't think you could achieve. Let's look at the A-10 now. St. Louis has been pretty good the last couple of years. Dayton has, has been very good. I mean, a couple of years ago with Obi Toppin, uh, top five team that year. Um, 
what what is the outlook for the A10 in your estimation, and and where what are you hoping in year three from your ball club? What a great league we play in. It's got great head coaches who accomplished a lot in the game of basketball so far and that have the the future to be able to accomplish a lot more you know so to be one of the best teams in this league you got to be really really good and and you know one of the things that we love about our league is that you got to be a competitor every single night you know you talk about winning and losing you know a, a, a winner um can enjoy can enjoy the the thrill of the victory but a person that's a true competitor represents that man i've got something else to get better at and that allows you the true ability to win forever and win at the end so just trying to build it where we have true competitors and this league demands that you have that competitor spirit um you know one thing also about the league is that there's so many guys play differently you know a year ago st louis was playing with two post guys vcu's obviously pressing and trapping all over the place dayton's running the roll and rise stuff uh that's similar a little bit of how gonzaga runs their offense and stuff and um so when you look at it you have so many different styles of basketball within the league and i think that's what makes it challenging you know sometimes i watch the sec and i feel like man all these guys are playing alike you know, when I watch the Big 12, I'm like, all these guys are playing alike. But in the A-10, you don't have that. You've got a lot of compliment, complimentary basketball, depending on how your roster is at, depending on where your location is and the type of players you're, that are attracted to you. And I think that's what makes it really interesting. We forget about Davidson, one of the best head coaches of all time, right, running old school four-round-one motion, which, you know, which, you know, they don't ball screen hardly at all and they move the ball around. So, you know, when you're looking at the league, there's so many different ways that you can play that to be the winner of this league at the end, you've got to be, you've got to have great versatility defensively and offensively because you got someone every single night throwing something a little bit different at you. Yeah, I, I would agree. Uh, I've covered a number of games in the A-10 the last few years for CBS Sports Network, and uh, there's great coaches, there's great players, and there's some really good fan environments as well. So, Coach, I appreciate the time. I wish you nothing but the best of luck, and I should have my schedule soon, and hopefully that means there's a GW game there somewhere. Yeah, if you, you make it to D.C., man, I'll, I'll make sure we take you out to dinner. And, and uh, I appreciate you taking the time. I appreciate you always being kind to me and, and answering my questions. And I'm, I'm wishing you as much success as anybody. Appreciate it. Thanks again for stopping by. Thank you. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network the number one podcast network for professionals. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.